Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello there. Thank you for checking out the podcast. Coming up the start, Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb on Pothole Patrol. Don Haney at KFGO Radio in Fargo, where the Red River is peaking. Tom Ethans from Take Pride Winnipeg on this year's Litter Index. And Scott Gillum from the Canadian Human Rights Museum on a big global award for the museum. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. I don't know if you were listening to the start this morning. I was. I was actually on the start with Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb this morning. And uh, they were saying they were going to head out on pothole patrol. They were taking your suggestions, the worst potholes out there. And we've got them on the phone right now. The start, the morning show here at CJOB. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Where are you guys? We are on Saskatchewan Avenue. We are in between the two Route 90s, between King Edward and Century, and we should be charging for this ride. I'm telling you. And if there are any ladies out there who are uh, tired of their babies in their belly, come down here because, let me tell you, this will induce labor without question. You know, I think as far as I'm concerned, that is the worst road in Winnipeg when it comes to potholes. No, we just watched this truck uh, in front of us, and and it. Like you can't, I'm going maybe 15 kilometers per hour and you have to go so slow because the ro- the holes are so deep that the tires are saying, thinking like a good, I don't know, eight, 10 inches into the hole. Like it's brutal. Yeah. That, this is one of the suggestions I think actually we had from one of our listeners, Saskatchewan between the route nineties right now, we're just coming up to century street. And I don't think I've ever seen a road that bad. I thought I knew what bad potholes were from, Working at Polo Park, St. James was terrible for years. Empress has always been worse. But this right there was uh, deplorable, beyond deplorable. Yeah, It's really uh, very little you can do to describe how bad it is, Hal. Hey, guys, in your travels out there, check out northbound Route 90. Just after you go under the underpass, coming up to Ness, there are a few real good potholes there. No matter how hard I try, I always hit at least one every morning. You know what? I used to take that all the way in, or every day from where I lived uh, on Cordon, and it was always a pain around pothole season because they would come and they would fix one and then it would pop up or a new one would pop up. And for whatever reason, they would always take so long to get to it at first. And then when they would finally fix it, it wouldn't hold. Uh, and it always sneaks up on you, too, because it kind of just appears out of nowhere, even though you know it's there, you forget that it's there until you've hit it. And not to politicize anything here today pal but this is just we're not even two miles away from polo park we did not have to go very far to find some of the worst roads anywhere and so when you hear complaints about the city and the province and the federal government not being able to come up with an agreement to to make sure that that these roads are fixed it's quite angering i gotta tell you because this is beyond unacceptable it's it's deplorable, and you you can find your own word, but it, it's quite maddening to see the state of these roads, and some of these roads are in around some of the biggest trucking companies, not only in Winnipeg, but in, in North America. Before I let you go, guys, uh, McNabb, I would not expect McGarry or Mackling to think of this, but 
why didn't you grab a few shovels and at least some gravel or something and fill a few in while you're out there? Because on this road, I would need more than a wheelbarrow. I'd need, <laughs> yeah. I'd need one of those bison trucks to back up with some soil to get this. Like, you'd need that much asphalt in some of these. But you're right. We were thinking maybe Brett came up with refried beans a few weeks ago, and so we were thinking that might be a good, nice cementing-like substance to stick to these roads. Yeah, because that's the problem with potholes now. You fix them, and they're empty again in no time because, well, maybe now they're using the hot mix, but they weren't uh, very recently, but maybe the hot mix is out there now. I don't know. No, I don't think it gets out till probably more like May, Hal, because they're still in this freeze-thaw. So once the freezing stops, they might bring that stuff out. But I, we just drove by a pothole that I saw them repair uh, a few weeks ago, and it's in good shape, but another one wasn't. And so, like, it's only been, what, 10 days, 12 days since we did that? So it doesn't last very long. Well, listen, are we going to see a video? I'm sure we'll have a report on the morning show tomorrow on the start from you guys, but will there be video for us to check out of this as well? You can actually go to the 680CJOB Instagram page right now. I've been putting video up on our story. Uh, so you can actually look at the story on Instagram or on Facebook. And uh, Sarah, our engineer, lent us her fancy, oh, we just dodged some huge bottles, uh, lent us her fancy 360 sort of degree Samsung camera. So we're going to put some of those video up on her Facebook probably tomorrow morning. And Greg's been taking some time-lapse videos. So, yeah, all sorts of stuff. Excellent. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, all. Thank you. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb joining us live here on Hal Anderson Afternoons. You can hear the start with the three of them and a cast of characters 6 to 10 a.m. weekday mornings here on CJOB. It is the morning show, as far as I'm concerned, and required listening in my house, and it should be in your house as well. Right now we go down to Fargo. Don Haney, newsman at KFGO Radio. Good afternoon, Don. Good afternoon, Hal. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you very much for doing this. I wanted to have you on today. We're expecting the Red River to crest in Emerson between April 15th and 18th. And, you know, obviously we're we're watching the river rise uh, here, and it certainly is doing that. Today is the day it's expected to peak down there in Fargo. Do you know if it's peaked yet? Pretty darn close, uh, and uh, credit to the National Weather Service. They have uh, predicted their hydrologists uh, there are anticipating a 35-foot crest sometime today, maybe into uh, later or early tonight, overnight. Uh, we're at uh, 34, just, just touching uh, 35 feet right now. Uh, special flood meeting uh, earlier this morning with city officials, county officials here. And uh, they uh, had anticipated that uh, the crest will be this afternoon, more than likely. And uh, we're pretty close to it right now. That's that's very good news. Uh, although uh, it's about six feet lower than our record flood in 2009, uh, it's still uh, considered uh, major flooding here. But uh, really, uh, no, uh, no homes flooded and uh, really no uh, significant problems here. It uh, closed some uh, some roads, low-lying roads along the uh, along the Red River here, and uh, a couple of bridges uh, were were shut down. Uh, They're low. Uh, there was another uh, major bridge in the downtown area between Fargo and neighboring Moorhead, right across the Red. That had to be shut because floodgates. There's some uh, temporary floodgates that uh, are are there that go along with uh, some major flood walls that we put up since 2009. The first test of those flood walls, the water did edge up to those uh, flood walls. But uh, really, again, 
uh, I don't want to call it a non-event because uh, they were anticipating a higher crest, had prepped for it, uh, hit sandbags ready, and a lot of other things. Uh, they were anticipating probably putting up some levees. But yeah. the big uh, the big uh, monkey or the gorilla in the room right now is, uh, is rural Cass County. Those areas are getting hard hit by uh, overland flooding. There's been a lot of uh, moisture that's uh, really broke out now, a lot of the uh, ditches, the drains. And uh, the tributaries to the red, including the Cheyenne, that's uh, one of the bad ones, uh, is causing a lot of overland flooding and in some areas has created problems for rural homeowners. Well, let's talk about this for a second. We're not flood forecasters, but you've been through this before. I've been through this before. You're saying that your highest level in Fargo was in 2009, and you're what, four feet, you said, below that now? Uh, six feet. Six it was, feet. Uh, 40 Forty, I, you know, so many numbers bounce around, but if I yeah. recall, forty point nine, almost forty-one feet that we hit in two thousand nine, and uh, almost took Fargo out. But it was a close call. Yeah, but, uh, they had at one point even ordered the evacuation of the city, which city officials had refused to do. So, uh, yeah, and uh, temperature-wise, I mean, we were in the sixties. I think yesterday, uh, sixty-three degrees in Fargo Moorhead. Uh, it's the first time we've we've uh, been above 60 degrees in six months. So wow. uh, it, it's really causing a melt. We had a lot of snow here the latter part of uh, 2018. And then going into uh, 2019, we had a couple of storms that dumped a lot of snow mm. here. But uh, and there was, you know, everybody was kind of second guessing what it was going to do to the flooding. And uh, at one point they had forecast uh, Fargo to prepare for a uh, 40-foot crest. That was uh, probably a month ago. And then as uh, the hydrology people got out, they were flying. They got all their high-tech stuff measuring uh, equivalents of moisture in the snow out there in the snowpack uh, up and down the valley. Uh, that uh, dropped, and it's continued to drop. And uh, the most recent uh, uh, forecast indicated the, uh, a 35-foot crest, and it looks like we're going to be pretty much spot on there. So right. that's good news. I'll tell you why that interests me, that you're six feet lower than what you saw in 2009, because we keep hearing the flow is going to be similar to 2009. And if you guys are peaking six feet below that, maybe that's going to be good news for us, because we've had a good melt here, too. We did see a bit of rain on the weekend. That made me a bit nervous. But I'm thinking we're, we're going to see overland flooding, but I'm thinking maybe yeah. this won't be as bad as forecasters thought it might be. I, you know, I'm sure not going to answer for that. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of things can change. And sure. but as you go north, obviously, they're anticipating crest later uh, this week and into next week. As you go north from here, Oslo, Minnesota, it's a town that uh, is, uh, well, it's, it's north of Grand Forks, just of I-29 there. It is a veritable fortress, has been for many years. But it, for many years, it was a poster child of flooding because it cut off roads. Uh, there's a big bridge that crosses from I-29 into Oslo on the Minnesota side. And then, of course, Grand Forks. But uh, they're so well prepared after the 97 flood. Uh, this is really not a problem for them either. I think there's a major bridge that's closing there today uh, at noon. And, you know, the rural roads uh, are, you know, being over taken by uh, by the uh, the overland flooding the breakouts from the rivers and that but uh, um, you know still uh, we're considered major flood this is a major flood but uh, certainly that is somewhat uh, <laughs> I don't want to say 
it, 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 it presents uh, in some respects a uh, false presentation for the people around here. Maybe that's the wrong wording for it, but uh, based on uh, the 10 most uh, significant floods, major floods in the valley in recent history, obviously 2009 was it. But uh, if you look back into the late 70s and six in the 80s, um, you know, we had some floods that were similar to this. And uh, Fargo wasn't as well prepared. We've uh, built flood walls. They've done a lot of home buyouts and flood-prone areas. And if that hadn't occurred, there would have been more problems here. But uh, the uh, the flood uh, the flood efforts that uh, have taken place, the flood protection efforts, have, have really made a difference as well. So uh, everybody in the city of Fargo is breathing a bit easier. The river's still high. Uh, talk to some people, you know, people that are new to this area that haven't seen this are uh, aghast, you know, they, they can't believe it. But uh, uh, by past uh, past uh, 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 floods that have occurred here, obviously, for the people that are familiar with it, it, uh, it, it it's it's a pretty dramatic look out there on the river because it's spread out quite a ways. But uh, really, uh, all things considered, it's, it's a lot better than it has in the past. Don, I appreciate your time. Again, you're right. Things can change, and we don't want to make any predictions, but I'm glad, at least at this point, as the red peaks down there in Fargo, things are looking pretty good. Thanks for your time. Yep. We know everything flows north to you. Good luck. Yes, thank you. Appreciate it, Don. See you guys. That is uh, Don Haney at KFGO Radio in uh, Fargo. Again, the Red River peaking in Fargo today. If it hasn't already, it will shortly And we're about a week away from the Red River cresting in Emerson. They're expecting it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, maybe, of next week. And uh, listen, again, I'm not a flood forecaster, but I think the red peaking in Fargo today, six feet below where they thought it might peak, I'm going to read that as good news. Pretty good news. Things can change. It's got to... The water's got to get here, and there's lots of snow that's melted along the way, but we'll see what happens and uh, keep an eye on uh, another flood forecast from the province. Again, the red will peak this side of the border uh, in about a week, anytime starting Monday to next Thursday. And then, of course, we're keeping an eye as well on the Portage Diversion and the Red River Floodway, both expected to be activated uh, soon. So we'll see when that happens as we keep an eye on the Red River and the flood waters. And joining us here on CJOB at 147, the Executive Director of Take Pride Winnipeg, Tom Ethans. Tom, good to see you again. Nice to see you. See you at least once a year when the Litter Index comes out. Well, that's a good time to be seen because we need people to get out there and help clean our streets and make our city look clean and beautiful. The city, Winnipeg, a bit dirtier this year compared to last year. Yes, I don't know if it was because it was a longer winter and and, uh, whatever the reason is, but now the snow has melted, there are a lot of streets out there that are fours, which is the worst you can get uh, when we're rating the streets, one being no litter, four being a lot of litter. And uh, we need a lot of help from uh, businesses and schools and community groups and individuals to go out and uh, help us make our city clean and beautiful. Overall, uh, the city this year, 2.24. 
Last year it was 2.17. As you mentioned, four is the worst. Was there an area of town that was the worst compared to other areas of Winnipeg? This year, uh, it was the west end of the city was was deemed to be the worst area of the city. It was a 2.63, and uh, there were some streets there that just really uh, were not looking good. Uh, Maryland, Sherbrooke, Furby, uh, and Empress, uh, which is the wor- one of the worst streets in the city, is Empress between Ellis and uh, Saskatchewan. Just terrible, the amount of litter there is, and it's not just from stores that have plastic bags floating around. It's from people throwing stuff out their car windows and dropping uh, litter on the ground. And it really makes the city look its worst right now. What about the best area of Winnipeg? Best area right now is uh, downtown. Uh, The downtown business improvement zone have people out during the wintertime trying to keep the sidewalks clean. There still is litter down there, and it still needs some help to to be absolutely litter-free. But of all the areas that we do, it was the the best. Which I guess is good, because that's where we're going to see the whiteout parties real soon. And we want the streets of our city to be as clean as possible for the whiteouts, because we want to show our best face. Are we seeing the same areas every year? Like you said, West End. Is West End sort of a bad area every year when it comes to cleanliness, or, or, no, or does it change up a bit? It changes up. I mean, there's there's areas every year that, that are bad, and, and, and we know sometimes it's been in the North End. Uh, sometimes it's been actually one of the worst areas in the city is the Keniston-McGilvery area, and all the way from Keniston-McGilvery out to the perimeter is bad. Uh, so the, it's different areas of the city every year, but... Uh, Generally, it's it's uh, what we see is what we get. And now you want people to get involved and help clean things up. We do, and, and people can give us a call, Take Pride Winnipeg, at 204-956-7590, or they can email carrie at takepride.me.ca, and we will provide bags from GLAD, and we'll provide gloves, and we'll provide some some of the groups with litter pickers to go out and do litter cleanups. And uh, you and I have talked about this before. You've got a, a new group beginning. It's the Plocking Group. It's the Plocking Club with uh, Refit Center and uh, Marks uh, have uh, combined, and, and we're, we're giving shirts to all the people that join the Heart Winnipeg Plocking Club, picking up litter while walking. It was meant to be a club for uh, people that had heart attacks or heart conditions and are working out at the Refit Center and need to exercise. And so we're going to combine exercise with picking up litter. And our first plucking club is going to be on Saturday at Empress and Ellis. And anybody can come out and join the club and get out there and help clean up some litter. And you're hoping for around 50 people because you figure 50 people will will explain the area you want to clean and how fast this is going. This is proof, again, that if you've got people involved, how quickly we can get this done. It's going to take at least, if if we had 50 people out there, it would still take an hour to clean from Ellis and Empress to uh, to Empress and Saskatchewan. At least an hour. It's that much litter out there. And that's the plan for Saturday. That's the plan for Saturday. And where can people meet what time? They can meet at uh, the parking lot in the by the Walmart at 10 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. And uh, my red van will be there, and you can uh, catch us there and get a shirt and some 
some uh, gloves and litter pickers, and we'll get out there and pick up some litter. And the the website is takepride.mb.ca, right? Yes, sir. Did I get that right? Takepride.mb.ca. All the information is there. Uh, you can uh, go and uh, and check that out and uh, contact uh, Take Pride Winnipeg about the plucking group. But that's happening on Saturday morning, ten o'clock, Walmart uh, parking lot in the Polo Park area here over on uh, on Empress. Yeah, we're very excited about the whole idea of, of cleaning up our city. Team Up to Clean Up is our what we call our spring cleanup and our fall cleanup campaign. Uh, it's great to see the number of businesses and school groups and community groups that get involved. Tim Hortons is our title sponsor for the program, and, and uh, Great West Life is getting involved as well this year with Across Canada, our Clean Canada Together program. So we want Canada to be the cleanest country in the world. How do we compare with other cities? I'm sure you talk to other cities of a, of a similar size to us, Edm- you know, uh, Edmonton, Windsor, Cal. I mean, you know, some of them are bigger than us, but how do we compare to other cities? Uh, we do compare favorably with most Canadian cities. Uh, we we uh, amazing after the snow melts this is obviously the worst time of year. But uh, after after the initial pickups that are done in the springtime, uh, our Canadian cities are so much cleaner than a lot of our cities to the south of us in the United States, and we really look look pretty good. But right now we're at our worst, and this is not uh, what we want to be. We would like our city to look cleaner. Let me give you a, a text message I got earlier from Corey, 204-780-6868. Hal, if a person wanted to pick up garbage in their community and put it into bags, uh, they're asking for details uh, about uh, can we get bags, uh, do we actually drive to the dump, or is there a drop-off spot? So I think you've answered a lot of that, but go ahead and weigh in on Corey's text message. Yeah, very simply, if you want bags, we, we get bags from GLAD, and we will provide bags for any any individual or group that wants to go out and pick up litter. Uh, once you've filled them up, you can either take them to a one of the big bins that are near where you're doing the work, or you can give us a call, and we can uh, try and get somebody out there to help pick them up. All right, takepride.mb.ca, another way, Corey, you can find that out. Quick question for you, Tom. Do you, I'm sure you do, but do you talk to police? You you said people throw things out of cars. I can't believe that still happens in this day and age. I remember it used to be a $100 ticket, right? When I was a kid, uh, you know, as a kid, you'd once in a while throw something out the window and dad would give you heck and it was a $100 ticket and I'm not going to pay a $100 ticket for you, you know, being an idiot and, and littering. Does that still happen? Do you get numbers from police? Do police share with you numbers on, on how many people get fined for littering or what? What can you tell us about that? I don't have those numbers, but I have uh, talked to the city of Winnipeg before and said to them, it's it's on the books that there is a fine for littering. And uh, whether you're walking down the street or whether you're in a car and you're throwing out your car window, there is a fine. It's just a matter of being caught. And uh, I, I, I have heard that there has been one or two cases of people who have got fined and, and had to pay a fine for littering. I would like to see it more frequently yeah. uh, because we need people to understand that when you litter, it's not good. Mm-hmm. And for everything you do, there is a consequence. And the consequence for littering is that it makes our city look bad. 
Yeah. And even if they did it, I mean, it should be done all the time, but even if they did it around this time of the year in conjunction with the litter index and made a point of it, you know, almost part of the campaign, right? Would, if police are listening, I think that would uh, would be a good idea, right? Sounds like a great idea to me. Yeah, me too. Tom Ethans, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time. Again, it's Take Pride Winnipeg Executive Director Tom Ethans. <laughs> Joining us on the phone now, the manager of digital programs at the Canadian Human Rights Museum here in Winnipeg, Scott Gillum. Scott, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Al. And congratulations, a big global award for the museum. (laughs) Yes, we were very pleased last weekend. Well, I'll tell you, I was looking at at some of the museums that you were up against, and we'll, we'll find out details in a second, but you were up against the Met in New York, uh, the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam, what else? The Smithsonian, the Art Institute of Chicago, just to mention a few, but you won this uh, international award for innovative digital products and uh, at the Canadian Human Rights Museum, this was the uh, Mandela uh, display, right? Yes, this was uh, one of uh, three awards that we were finalists with uh, for the Mandela exhibition. And we were incredibly pleased to be uh, to win, uh, especially with a field of candidates like that. What was it about this uh, particular exhibit that made it so much better than all these others around the world? Uh, I think it was it was many uh, many things. For one, uh, part of it is the the innovative way in which we tell stories. Uh, these awards were judged, or, or the Mandela exhibit was judged on its innovativeness and in storytelling, uh, the content, the experience for visitors, uh, the social impact, and then also the accessibility. And winning an award like this against these other great museums, world-renowned museums, what does that mean for the Human Rights Museum here in, in little old Winnipeg? <laughs> well, I think it's, it's a sign of the incredible work that's being done here. Uh, we're still less than five years old, and, and here we are. We're on the back of the $10 bill. Uh, we're making our mark on the international stage, and I think that that gives uh, that should give uh, both Winnipeggers and Canadians a lot of reasons to be proud of this museum. Well, I wanted to have you on for a couple minutes today just to congratulate you because we've got this in our backyard, uh, in our front yard, really, and uh, I think we're all proud of it, of it. But when we see us, the museum and the displays, the exhibits winning against other world-class museums. I, I think it's important to point that out. Maybe talk about digital exhibits. You're in charge of uh, digital uh, programs at the uh, CHRM. I mean, museums have changed, right? As technology uh, grows, museums change, and the ability to tell a story must be incredible now. Uh, it really is. And the way we tell it through technology, you know, digital is culture. It's not about the gadgets. Uh, It is really about finding new ways for people to connect uh, with each other and with human rights-based storytelling. Um, So in a lot of ways, that digital can play a role in opening up, you know, conversations between remote audiences and local audiences. But it also means that sometimes things can be immersive, uh, whether it's, you know, a virtual reality experience or a projection, uh, or it can be something audio, or it can be something tactile, where people are actually physically interacting with digital in ways that previously haven't been imagined. Scott, thanks for doing this and continued success. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.